My friends, hear the word of the Lord for us this morning. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Then in chapter 16, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you but you cannot hear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, we do give you great thanks again for working in our lives through the Scripture. Work powerfully this morning, we pray. Through Christ our Lord, we ask. Amen. Please be seated, and if you would, grab your Bibles. We are in, as Jerry said, the uh, fourth week of our essential series, trying to emphasize those things that we want to everyone, especially those in our congregation, to understand are essential to us. We've talked about the Scripture. We have talked about the nature of God. We have talked about the cross of Jesus Christ. Today, we believe the Holy Spirit has come to glorify Jesus, drawing us to the Savior, giving new life, indwelling our hearts, empowering us for service, and transforming us into Christ's own image. And essential, something that we feel is foundational to our belief and foundational to the way in which we function completely and totally here Within this church, we believe that the Holy Spirit has come to glorify Jesus, drawing us to the Savior, giving us new life, indwelling our hearts, empowering us for service, transforming us into Christ's own image. Many of you know that in a couple of weeks, my daughter is getting married over in Philadelphia. It uh, has been uh, a time coming, and we're excited to be there, to be a part of that. Uh, As you can imagine, the past couple of months have been wedding, 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 at least in my mind, uh, has been filled a lot with a wedding, and here it is coming at the time. Now, because it's happening over there, and uh, because of uh, my daughter and her fiancé, they're largely taking care of most of the details, so a lot of those details are not on us, on Kelly and I, Uh, but she has passed off to Kelly in particular the uh, opportunity to have a cookie table at the wedding. If you've been at weddings here in the Pittsburgh area that feature cookies, a cookie table, then you know a little bit about what uh, is in store for us here as we prepare to have this cookie table for the wedding. If, you ha- if you're unfamiliar with this, if this is not something that you've uh, been exposed to a lot, a cookie table at a wedding, uh, you, for our purposes, you need to picture about an 18-foot-long table that is just piled high with 24 or more varieties of cookies. Uh, And it's just a plethora of cookies. 
which strikes absolutely everybody that first looks at the table to say the same thing. How can I possibly get all of these cookies? How can I have one of every kind? I want to sample everything, and unless you're 20 years old or so, you can't sample one of everything because there's 24 of them, and so you've got to kind of force yourself to pick or choose among this plethora of beauty that is present there, and you're kind of limited to only, you know, five or six or however many you feel like you can take and not get yourself sick. But you've got all of these wonderful things set before you, and the challenge is how do you pick and choose which ones you're going to take. When we look at the scriptures in terms of its teachings on the Holy Spirit, if we want to imagine what does the scripture say about the presence of the Holy Spirit, what does the scripture say about the Holy Spirit in our lives, it looks like a 18-foot-long cookie tail piled high with glorious things about the Holy Spirit. We learn about who he is. We learn about his nature, his divinity. We understand a whole lot about the Holy Spirit because of what's piled up along this cookie table. But unfortunately, we've got to pick and choose our way through here. And so I am getting the choice to go through the cookie table. I get to go and pick and choose some of the things in which we get to hear today about the nature and the purpose and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In seminary, the introduction to theology is a three-seminary, is a three-semester course. So you take a year and a half just for the introduction to, to theology. If you want to explore more deeply into any particular area, then there are classes that do that. One of the semesters, early semesters, is on the work of the Holy Spirit. So you have all of this material that speaks about the Holy Spirit, and yet, like a plethora that overwhelms us, we have to pick and choose a little bit about what we are going to talk about here today when we think about the essential character, the essential work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we could speak about uh, the Holy Spirit's work in creation. Uh, how does the Bible talk about what the Spirit did in creation and where the Spirit's presence was felt in bringing life into this world? Or we could talk about the Spirit's work in providentially caring for this world, how the Spirit's hands are involved in making sure that the world continues along the pathway that, that the Lord has set for it. Or we can talk about the Spirit as inscripturating the, the Word of God, in other words, how we get the Bible, the very scripture before us is the work of the Holy Spirit. We could talk about all those things, but I want to focus here today upon the work of the Holy Spirit in implying, in applying what Christ accomplished on the cross into our hearts. Okay? Applying into our hearts what Christ accomplished on the cross. It hasn't, um, it's kind of faded away from the news at this point in the game because our our news is filled with a lot of other things, but some of you who might pay attention to these things might know that uh, the Horn of Africa in particular is still suffering a tremendous famine. It is undergoing a, a, a great famine at this point in the time where hundreds of people are dying of starvation uh, every day. Uh, and many of them, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, are suffering along those lines. Now, a lot of this is caused by the Ukraine war and the difficulties of getting food into that area. But enough of it is present that there is food that is sitting on the wharfs or sitting in docks and in tankers and that is rotting and is going to waste just on the shores because there's no way of delivering the food, getting the food 
from uh, the international community, which is pumping food into the area, and yet can't get that food to the people who need it so badly. It's not the only reason why there is starvation happening, why there is such as a great famine that is taking place, but part of the problem is that the, what is available can't get to the people who need it so desperately. On the cross of Jesus Christ, he secured for us our forgiveness. He secured for us our salvation. The grace and the love and the presence of God is so clear upon the cross of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. How does that work its way into our lives today? 2,000 years later, how is it that we experience the benefits, the blessings, the gift that God has in store for us because of what Christ accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago? You can just sit and think, well, it just kind of happens. You know, God being God, it just kind of happens. But the scriptures describe very clearly for us that that's the work of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does is it gets the foods from the dock into the people who need it so desperately. It gets the blessings that Christ has secured for us on the cross of Christ, the forgiveness that is offered there, the grace, the transforming power of Christ's righteousness and his holiness, how that enters into our very lives, how that affects and changes us today. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when we have this plethora before us of opportunities to talk about the Holy Spirit, we kind of have to pick and choose. Well, the first thing that I come upon as I approach the table and I'm overwhelmed by all the cookies, the worst first one that I grab to is perhaps the dominant feature of the text in which we just read. And it speaks in John 16 that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to come and glorify Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Spirit is to glorify Christ. John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will come to guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. In other words, he won't, he won't bring new information to us, but rather he will speak what he hears. He will speak to us. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, that is, the Spirit will glorify Christ, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In this case, the Holy Spirit functions as a, a spotlight upon Jesus Christ. The Spirit comes upon this world. The Spirit comes and moves within the church of God. The Spirit moves within this place right now. He works in our hearts right now for the purpose of glorifying Christ, of making Christ uh, glorious and majestic in our minds and in our eyes. Now, in our society today, there are many Christians where that's not possible. When, they, when you hear them talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, when you hear what the Spirit does in their lives or how they speak about the Spirit, they often contrast Jesus and the Spirit. Rather than identifying that the Spirit has come to elevate Jesus Christ, to magnify him in our minds, sometimes the way that certain Christians talk about the work of, of the Spirit, well, that's what Jesus thought, or that's what the Bible taught, or that's what long ago, but nowadays we know the Spirit is doing something totally different. They separate the two. Here what we see is that Christ is, is magnified by the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I tend to think of the Holy Spirit's function in this regard kind of like a spotlight, or, or a flashlight. Imagine yourself in a dark room and somebody flicks on a flashlight and shines it against some object. Obviously your eye is, is taken by the flashlight to some extent, but immediately your eye is taken by the object that the flashlight is shining upon. 
I got a promotional flashlight in the mail at some point, and it had a great grip on it, and it was charged in a neat little way, and there were many different features about how, and it was a great flashlight, but the point of a flashlight is what it shines upon. And here we have in this text this understanding that the Holy Spirit is shining upon Jesus Christ. We are supposed to, in every interaction with the Spirit, every time the Spirit moves in our hearts, every time the Spirit interacts within our community, it is intended to elevate Jesus Christ and to make him more glorious in our minds. Let me ask you, have you ever been taken by the Holy Spirit? Have you ever been... uh, No, let me ask it this way. If you have ever experienced the awe and glory of Jesus Christ... Thank the Spirit, for that's his job in your life. If you have ever wanted to experience the glory of Christ even more in your life, to see him as majestic and wonderful in every possible way, then ask the Spirit, for that's his job in your life. Lord, we do ask that you would do that wondrous thing in our lives of making Christ glorious. Spirit, fill this Fill each of us, we ask, so that that might be more and more the case, we pray. Through Christ our Lord, we ask. On that table, that blessings of the Lord, the second thing that really draws my attention is this idea that the Holy Spirit draws us to the Lord, and he does so by convicting us of sin. So the two ideas work together. The Lord, the Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ, and he does so by convicting us of sin. This was the text in John 16 that I read When the Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and justice. Now, most of us, when we think of uh, conviction, we're we're not really that wild about it. You know, conviction is making us feel bad, and we don't want to feel bad, and we don't want to feel guilty and those kind of things. And so the Spirit's job of making us feel guilty is not something that we look forward to and those kind of things. Imagine that you're driving, You're driving along the way, and suddenly you start seeing all these signs that are saying, watch out, you're about to drive over a cliff. A cliff is ahead, watch out, don't keep, go this way, don't keep going straight, you're going to go over a cliff. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks into our lives and says, the way you are living your life, you're about to go over a cliff. Don't go to your death living your life this way. Rather, hear, feel, sense the conviction of the Spirit. But the Spirit just doesn't say, look, you're about to go over the cliff. The Spirit then points us and says, here's a detour. Go in this direction. Go towards Jesus Christ. How many times have you felt that conviction of the Spirit and you've got a sense, man, this is not what my attitude, my actions, my thoughts, my heart is not the way God wants it to be. And there's that conviction of the Holy Spirit. The point is not to make you feel guilty. The point is to make you grab a hold of Jesus Christ and to say, Lord, I, I thank you for showing me my sins so that I can grab passionately onto Jesus Christ and never let go of him. If you have ever felt convicted of your sin and turned towards Jesus Christ to say, Lord, I need you because of this in my life, Thank the Spirit, for that's his job. If you ever want to be brought to a spot where you're holding more passionately to Jesus Christ, then ask the Spirit, for that's what he does in our lives.
Lord in heaven, we do pray that you would do exactly that, that you would convict us of our sin and point us to Jesus Christ, that we might hold more and more passionately onto him, our Lord and our Savior. Looking at that cookie table, I see the indwelling work of the Spirit in our hearts, that the Spirit indwells our hearts. And this is captured by Paul very clearly in Romans chapter 8. You, however, are not in the flesh, but are in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells within you. As shorthand, we often say that Jesus dwells in my heart. And that's okay, I don't mind that shorthand, Jesus dwells in my heart, okay. That's not actually how the Bible phrases it. The Bible doesn't describe Jesus as dwelling in our hearts. Jesus is dwelling up in heaven uh, at the right hand of God the Father. The Bible does talk, though, about the Spirit indwelling us. And this captures this picture, this image that has been present in the Old Testament from the very beginning of God dwelling with his people. And the Old Testament imagery had that in terms of the tabernacle and the temple, kind of the center of uh, Israelite worship, so that the Israelites, when they were walking towards the temple or were walking towards the tabernacle, would be saying, we are coming to get into the presence of God. But that desire has been fulfilled in an amazing way in the New Testament when we realize that we don't go someplace to be in the presence of God, but God actually indwells us. The Spirit of God lives in us. Imagine that you're taking a test. You're preparing to take a test, and you've got an expert that is training you how to go. The expert is walking you along the path saying, this is the way in which you take the test. This is what you have to do in order to do well on the test, those kind of things. And then the expert walks you up to the door where the test is is being taken. And instead of staying outside, the expert walks in the testing center with you, sits there with you, and converses with you while you're taking the test. That's the picture of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as we live our lives in this godly way that he has played before us. It's not that God somehow speaks as the expert from from a distance and says, this is how you live your life. Rather, that spirit indwells us. And because he indwells us, we have the expert with us in every stage in everything that we do. If you have ever sensed the presence of God, if you've ever been in that situation where you have sensed God's presence and you say, hey, this is a glory, thank the Lord, thank the spirit, for that's his job to provide that sense of the Lord's presence with you. If you yearn to have that experience of the presence of the Lord more and more fully, that is leading you to go to the Lord in the Spirit and ask for his indwelling. Lord, we do pray for your powerful indwelling in each of our lives in a greater and more powerful way. We ask that you would do this through the Spirit of Christ who dwells within us, we ask. Amen. Looking along that table, there is a favorite. Everybody's got a cookie that they are drawn to. You might want to sample one of everything, but there's one thing that you are really drawn towards. That's the one in which you gravitate toward. For me, that is the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
and we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of God are being transformed. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory into another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Look, I'm incredibly grateful that the Lord is willing to indwell this broken vessel. I'm incredibly grateful that the Lord is willing to take the broken tools that are present here and use them for his kingdom. I'm grateful that the Lord calls us and grants us new life and transforms us and changes us and blesses us and forgives us and all the things that the Lord does that enables us to serve and minister. But I want something deeper. I want more than just to be that broken tool. The more time that the Spirit indwells me, the more time that the Spirit indwells you, the more you will want to be like Him. It's not enough just to, to be used as an empty vessel or as a broken vessel in His service. That's great. It's glorious that He does that. But beyond that, I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. And that's what, exactly what the Spirit does in our hearts. He is shaping us, molding us, so that we look more and more like God's image. I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore, um, but if you haven't and you stand there, yeah, most of you know what Mount Rushmore is, but you, you stand there, it really is an amazing sight to imagine that somebody has fashioned this mountain into the faces of these four presidents. The Spirit's work is not just fashioning us on the outside. The Spirit's work is doing exactly what I need to happen for me, what you need to happen for you. He's shaping you, fashioning you, working away at transforming you from the inside out. That's the great work of the Holy Spirit. To me, that one is so attractive, for we have the, the glory of the Lord being shown to us by Jesus Christ. We have him drawing us to the Savior through the work of the Holy Spirit. We have the indwelling in our hearts of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment the fulfillment that we get because of that. But it's not just that the Lord keeps using broken vessels. He does. And he will to the end of my days and the end of your days. But in the midst of that, he is working to transform you and shape you more and more into God's own image. That is an incredible blessing and deserves that we go to him and pray. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, we do ask that you would do this amazing work of your spirit in our lives. Transform us, shave us, shape us, mold us into Christ, we pray, more and more faithfully. Lord, we desire to be holy as you are holy. We desire to be a vessel that is not just broken and used, but is clean and used. And Lord, you can make that so through the work of your Holy Spirit, powerfully living within us. And to him we pray and offer our praise and thanks that Christ might be glorified now and forevermore, we ask. Amen.